Well, before you take your seats, could you tell the person next to you, it's good to see you here. Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to see you. Praise God. All right. Can everybody hear me? No, not yet. Okay. This is how I went. Oh, yes. This is how I sound, sound, sound. Okay. Well, praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, we thank God for his goodness. I want to remind you that that this week, Scott's uh, Holy Spirit Conference, really excited about this. We have, we are in our um, 13th, I guess, or 14th day of prayer and fasting. We started on January 9th, and God has been amazing in the moving of his spirit. And it culminates on this weekend, Friday and Sunday, with our Holy Spirit Conference. What you may not know is that we are fasting together with three other churches. Uh, the Abundant Life Church, which is located on 47 Howard Street, that's over there. And that is uh, pastor by uh, Bishop Lawrence Ward. And then Kingdom Empowerment Center, which is located on 211 Columbia Street, right down the street from PT North. And that's pastored by uh, Pastor Lorraine Thornhill. And then Christian Mission Holiness Church, which is located on 789 Main Street, and that's pastored by uh, Pastor Clayton Ward. And we're coming together at, uh, at the Kingdom Empowerment Center on this Friday night, so there'll be no uh, encounter nights on Friday and on Sunday evening. So we're really excited about what God is going to do and Pastor Chandler's going to be with us, and uh, we're just looking for God to culminate this. We've never done this uh, a fast with other churches together, and so we're really excited about what God is doing. Uh, also, uh, as you know, on Monday, it was Martin Luther King's uh, uh, birthday celebration, and I did not realize that we have history in our church. Praise the Lord. If you could show that slide. Eventually get there. Okay. Wanted to acknowledge this. This uh, we will. This doesn't uh, count against my preaching time. Mm -hmm. But this is really worth showing. The devil come out of yet computer in the name of Jesus. Okay. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. So anyways, uh, what, I, what I wanted to say is that one of our members was part of the uh, March on Washington. He was one of the 250,000 people who were at Washington when Martin Luther King Jr. preached, I have a dream. And that's our own brother, uh, Sumner McLean. He was there. Praise the Lord. 
I was really excited to hear that God is, uh, has us still on. But there he is. All right. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. He wasn't just praying about it. He was there. And we're grateful for that. We want to acknowledge that. Um, this is going to be a very sobering sermon. Uh, I first want to uh, let you know, please excuse the uh, media team. I woke up this morning at midnight and I was just praying to God, praying in the Holy Spirit. And actually, I was really, if I can be fully transparent, I was really just crying out to God about my prayer life and how I just really didn't feel it was measuring up to what God needed me to do in this season. The one thing that I um, am grateful for is that I've been spending a lot of time with God. I just haven't so much been praying. I've been listening and I really feel like this is a season when my hearing the voice of God has never been more acute. So I was just praying in the Holy Spirit, just praying. and The Lord started stirring me and he said, I, I need you to change. I need you to change the message for what you're going to give uh, today. And I was like, oh man, like, wow. <laughs> and so as I was praying, he began to download some things in my heart that I want to share with you. Just, we've had the slides in, the notes in since Thursday evening, Friday morning, and um, the Lord just changed everything. And what he asked me, as we're in Isaiah chapter 58, he asked me a question. He said, he said, Brian, what do you think made me say to the nation of Judah, to the nation of Israel, my people, what, what made what do you think caused me to say to Judah that I am not going to accept your fast? The first five verses, God says to, to Judah, if I can use a modern offensive term, he basically said, your fast to me is garbage. And then he spends from verse 6 on telling them the kind of fast he wants. And so I was thinking, God, what, what was going on during Isaiah 58, chapter 58, that would cause you to say, I'm not accepting this fast. So I began to look at the history of what was going on during this time. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, 
it starts the narrative of what was going on during this season. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, sometimes we get enamored when it comes to Isaiah. We get enamored with chapter 6, where it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and lifted up, and the angels were crying, Holy, 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 and the place was moving. And although that is a very sobering, a very holy, a very transformative moment, it wasn't really a good historical moment. Because the re has it, because Uzziah was a good king. But unfortunately, what happened is that Uzziah stepped beyond his sphere of influence and responsibility and started doing things and taking privileges that God only reserved for the priests. Sometimes you can be so successful that you go to places that don't belong to you. So King Uzziah says, man, I'm so anointed. God is using me. Let me decide to do, let me, just, let me decide to take some of the duties of the priests. And so he walks into the temple to, to act like a priest when he should have just stayed in his lane. Tell somebody next to you, stay in your lane. And as he walks in to offer sacrifices to God that only reserved for the priests. Eighty priests ran after him. They said, don't do this. And he said, I'm the king. You know, pride will make you do things that you're going to be sorry for. And so as he offers the sacrifice, leprosy begins to creep up his body to the point that he rushed out of the temple and the 80 priests tried to get him out, but it was too late. He died a leper, and where he should have been buried, sort of like the Arlington Cemetery in Virginia of people who were honored in their death, he could not be buried in the graveyard of the kings because he died a leper. He has a son, Jotham, who though he was raised under a father, Uzziah, who, who honored God, who walked with God, he was wicked and undid everything that his dad did. And then you have Ahaz, who tries to restore things, walks in the things of God. I may have them reversed, but I do know that then Jotham, sorry, Ahaz has a son named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is an amazing king. So we're talking about now from the time that Uzziah died up to Hezekiah, Isaiah is a prophet to the nation. Are you following me so far? And Hezekiah is such an amazing king, such a follower of God, 
such a person who was like his great, 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 great grandfather, first Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, has a heart for God, that the prophet comes to him and says, Uzziah, uh, get your will together, get your papers in order because you're going to die. It's time for you to go be with the Lord. And Uzziah, Hezekiah rather, Hezekiah weeps and he's crying and he, and he tells God all the things that he's done for God. Are you following me? And he basically says, God, if you take me to heaven, who's going to do the things that I'm doing for you on earth? And what are you saying, Bishop? I'm saying, if the Lord were to come to you tonight and say, I'm taking you home, could you make an argument about your life as to why he should keep you here? Does God get anything out of you living another day? Woo! I am preaching, but that's all right. He, he, the, the, can you argue a case saying, God, it is to your advantage. It is to your profit line that you keep me here so I can keep doing more for you. Or would God say, you know what? You're just taking up space on the planet because all you're concerned about is me, myself, and I. God grants him his desire and allows him to live 50 more years or a decade and a half. But what strikes me is that you would think that after living a lifetime of good and then God added 15 years of that, you would think that during those times he would burn a king that was insanely exemplary. Instead, he, burn, he burns a king during those 15 years, which makes me wonder if God should have granted him those 15 years. But that's, that's God's business. But after the third year of living, he burns the child, or his wife has a child called Manasseh. And Manasseh spends 55 years undoing all of the godly things that his father did. And this, is, and this is where we pick up because 61 years go by and now Isaiah is, is a senior citizen. He's, he's an older man now. And he has lived through three, well, four, if you count Uzziah, four, four kingdom reigns. And now we get to Manasseh's reign. I said all that because I want to read some scriptures to you and then I'm just going to close so you can sense what God is saying to us in this season. The second Chronicles chapter 33, starting at verse 1, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Manasseh, was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judah, 55 years. Verse 2, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. 
He constructed altars and images to Baal and set up uh, Asherah poles to idols. He allowed, he also bowed before all the powers of the heavens, like astrology, horoscopes, Capricorn, Zodiac, you know, all that stuff. You bound to that stuff, what's your sign? That's you. And he worshiped, what did I say worship means? He valued them. Verse 4, he built pagan altars not around the temple, in the temple. He took things of the world and built them inside of God's house. It's sort of like, let's just make P.T. South a strip club and a church at the same time. Oh, you get it now. Verse 5, he built altars to all the piles of the heavens in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also, watch this, Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. In other words, he took his children, his sons who were, who, who were toddlers or just born, and sacrificed them to these idols by literally putting his children alive in fire. He practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, and he consulted mediums and psychics, tarot cards. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing God's anger. Let me tell you something. Not every bad thing that's happening in the earth is the devil. Like a parent, sometimes God says, I had enough of your behavior, and it is whooping time. Paul, interestingly enough, says in Romans chapter 2 that the, bio, the, that the God we serve is long-suffering, meaning that just because you do wrong over and over again and God doesn't drop the hammer doesn't mean God is cool with it. Paul says, don't you know that the goodness of God, meaning that God hesitates and delays dropping the hammer because he's trying to give you time to change your behavior. But when he drops the hammer, nobody's going to be able to say, God, you're unfair. And it's been my experience that when, when, when God drops the hammer, now there's the devil trying to mess with you, but when God drops the hammer, I've discovered in talking to people that God has been dealing with them for months and years on this certain behavior, and finally God has said these words that you don't want to hear from your parents when you grow up. I had had enough. Verse 7, Manasseh even took the carved idols he himself made and set it up in God's temple, the very place where God told David and his son Solomon, my name 
and my reputation will be honored in this temple. We got to be careful about think, taking things that we make and bring it into God's house. Mm. I'm not against I'm not against modern technology. Are you with me? I'm not against, it's quiet in this place. <laughs> I'm not against doing things that, that, that enhance worship. But when we start taking things that we make, bring it into the house of the Lord, and act like this is the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about anybody else's church because I keep people's church off of my mouth because God can lead people to do what they're called to do. But we need to be careful that, that we stop mistaking, let me just look at this cross, we stop mistaking the Shekinah for our man-made clouds. You know cloud machines? Ooh, the Holy Spirit. No, it's just a cloud machine. <laughs> the world has that. I have been in services where they, where they pump in applause. So it sounds like, yeah, Jesus is here. No, that's just something that they do in stadiums. Let's be careful that we don't substitute the power of God for man-made stuff. And we bring stuff that is out in the world into the house of God. Ah. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the nations that the Lord destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. In other words, Manasseh, it, it's bad when the people of God sin, but it's even worse when we sin more than the sinners. It's sad when you can look at an unbeliever and a Christian and you say, wow, this unbeliever acts more like a Christian than the Christian. Just because you can say Jesus does not mean you're living for Jesus. If people on your job found out where you're a Christian, would they be shocked? If someone for your job walked in here, would they go, oh! Folks, this is serious time. This is serious time. We're living in a day where, and, and I love to be blessed, but not everything is blessed, blessed, blessed. There's seasons of responsibility. The seasons when we have to get down to some real stuff. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and the people, but they ignored all the Lord's warning. They said, la, 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 we're not hearing you. Verse 11, so the Lord sent commanders of the Assyrian army, and they took Manasseh prisoner, put a ring around his nose,
bound him in bronze chains and dragged him and led him away to Babylon, which is confusion. When you see people who have confusion in their lives, they've been dragged away to Babylon. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. When you see confusion, at the author of it, at the, the crux of it, is the devil. And some of you, like, my, like, like my sister uh, Alvanita, did one time when confusion was in the house and arguing and all that, she opened the door and said, devil, get your hell out of my house. And sometimes during this fast, some of you need to lift the windows, open the door, and tell the devil, you are no longer welcome in this house in the name of Jesus. But while he was in deep distress, this, this is, the Bible says many times about the Lord's mercy, there's a whole psalm that all they respond and said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endure forever, 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 for his mercy. His mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. After doing all that, verse 12, Manasseh, when he was in deep distress, ring through his nose, bound in chains, taken by Babylon, by Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him. You are never too far from God if you will humble yourself. There is nothing you can do that God will say, not you have crossed the line I am ever going to allow you back. His mercy endures forever because he humbled himself, the Lord listened and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem, which means the city of peace, restored to him his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Now, I don't think you understand how merciful God is to Manasseh, but how much mess. I just gave you 13 verses of how much mess was going on while people were fasting. And this is the this is what blows my mind. While all this is going on, Manasseh crossed the line that God said, I've had enough. You're going into Babylon. Because what we don't realize is that it is during this time that theologians believe that it was during this time that the prophet Isaiah was martyred. Manasseh was so wicked and so cruel, he didn't have Isaiah killed by a firing squad of 
arrows. He didn't have Isaiah killed like John the Baptist put your head on a block and cut it off. He had Isaiah stretched out and then had the ex executioner. I want you to think about this. Had the executioner come not with a sword, but a saw and just cut him in, in half. It's in the midst of all this and the people giving their consent that they look to God and say, why aren't you, why aren't you here in our fast? And God is like, you have got to be out of your mind. A half century of this behavior, and you'll wonder why I don't hear you? So I want to stop, I'm almost finished, I want to stop that when he says that, in verse 4, that he built pagan altars in the temple. Because I imagine we're sitting here right now and say, I would never, I have enough respect, I have enough respect for the church not to bring pagan stuff into the temple. I, no, I, 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 when I'm, when I'm, not living the way I should, I just don't come to church. But I would never drag pagan stuff, unbelieving stuff, worldly stuff. I wouldn't drag that into the temple. Or would you? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, let me read it. You say, I am allowed to do anything. But I say, not everything is good for you. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality, and sexual immorality. In other words, you can't say, I can do all the premarital sex and the sex outside of marriage all I want. It ain't, it ain't bothering anybody. God says, your body was made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. Tell someone next to you, the Lord cares about your body. Tell somebody else because it's not your body. How do I know it's not your body? Because if it was really your body, you would say, you would make yourself six foot five. Maybe a little slimmer. What, you, know, you, you, you would design a body other than your body. Nothing wrong with your body. <laughs> Paul says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Jesus Christ? Should a man take his own body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes a body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. 
Run from sexual sin. Run! Flee! Lust. No one, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves. You don't get to do what you want with your body, because it ain't your body. Even Jesus' body wasn't his body, because in Galatians it says, a body you prepared for me. Mm. For you were bought with a high price, Jesus Christ. Therefore, you must honor God with your body. Woo! Well, I don't, I don't do... I don't do immoral things with my body, and I don't, I, I, I'm not involved in, in sexual promiscuity and sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, and I'm not, I, I'm not doing those things, uh, Pastor. But you know what? What are you allowing into your body that is not honoring your body? What, what? See, after this fast, some of you, you know, we've seen that song, Bye Bye. Bye Bye. During fast, I usually, uh, can I be honest with you? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. This is me. I know you all are really sanctified. What I do the week before the fast, I eat all the foods I want to eat. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. I had the pizzas I like. I had the steaks I like. I was, I tell you, I had SNS wings. I mean, I was making sure. I was making sure that when the fast come, there would be no temptation. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to have you lift your hands. I just, and, and so now these past two or three weeks, it's, you know, hello, Mr. Pizza Shop, I'll be back. Hello, Mr. Sweet and Sour Chicken. I'll definitely be back to you. Hello. And I'm wondering if God is saying, you know what? Now you got your body all, you know, wearing. I haven't worn this suit in two years. Okay. This is my fast suit. And the Lord said to me, so after all this, are you going to hang it up for another two years? What are you going to say bye-bye to when all this is over? I'm not saying that you got to live like a monk. <laughs> I'm not saying that you got to live on a Daniel fast for the rest of your life. But you know what? I'm going to talk about me because you all are holy. There's stuff that I'm about to put in my mouth and the Holy Spirit said, do you really need that? Holy Spirit said, come on, bro. It's 12 o'clock. What are you eating all that ice cream for? With your lactose intolerant self. Come on, folks. Holy Spirit say, hey, do some exercise. La, la, la. I think I'll pray. What are you inviting into the temple? Then you wonder why when Brother Tommy says, this is how I win, win, win. You, this is how... <laughs> Come 
Well, I've been in church all my life, all my life. And I've discovered when they have them to break, praise break, and everybody's going, ah! And then what happens, they go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. They didn't just get spiritual. They got tired. And you might say, what's the big deal? I believe sometimes God wants us to dance and dance to praise him with all our might, all our soul, and all our strength. And some of us, we are not in shape, so we can't even give him five seconds. Our bodies is the temple. What are we, what are we inviting in our bodies? This has nothing to do with weight, so please don't, don't, don't be like, oh man, he's got no, 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 because because it ain't about weight; it's about are you in shape? One of the I me step on him. One of my favorite rappers was Heavy D, because that dude, I was like, how can he move like that and keep up with them thin guys? You know, uh, God is saying in this season, stop dragging stuff into my temple that doesn't belong there. Stop allowing things to come into my temple that doesn't belong there. Ecclesiastes, I believe. Stop allowing things to come through my windows. Shut the shades. Let me talk about me because you all are too saved. There are times when I have the remote and the Lord says, you know you really shouldn't be watching this. And I'm like, I know, but I need to finish this anyway. <laughs> Can I get some honest people on this side to... Thank you, thank you. They're, they're really saved, so we just get it. Yeah. And then how many of you, after you watch it, you repent? Oh, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And I have the nerve to record it. Folks, this is called a consecration. It is set myself aside for God. Mm. What's interesting that we got to be careful of being the Manassas in this season. Because the word, the name Manasseh, the root word of the name Manasseh, many of you know it means to forget. The first time we hear that name Manasseh was when Joseph uh, named his son Manasseh because he said the Lord has, no, the son Ephraim is doubly blessed. So he says, uh, he says, the Lord, I'm so doubly blessed that the Lord made me forget all of the troubles I went through. But this Manasseh is, is, is a frightening one because Manasseh here means he forgot God. The, the, the name Manasseh also means, the, the root Hebrew also means to neglect. We, we can neglect the things of God. We, we can stop praying like we used to pray. We can stop reading the word 
the way we used to read the word. We, we can stop worshiping the one, you used to be one of the, one of the, one of the most passionate worshipers and praisers, and now you as cold as an ice cube. It doesn't take all that. Could it be that you've forgotten how good God has been to you? It, it is neglecting. It is not paying attention. But this is the season that God is about to do something powerful. And, and, and so the final thing that, that I want to end with is that Manasseh through his children in, into the valley of Benin and lit them on fire. And the Lord has been dealing with me about the need for our church to get serious about praying for our children. Almost three years ago, I stood in this pulpit and I showed you the cover of Time Magazine. And I had two teenagers on a couch who looked so sad. And, and the title of the article was labeling these kids the pandemic generation. And since that time, we have seen this pandemic wreak havoc on our children. They say since 2009, depression and suicidal ideation, anxiety has increased five times the amount it was for teenage girls. The devil is wreaking havoc on our children. Cambridge, this city, spends $30,000 per student. That means little six-year-old, $30,000. The high school student, $30,000. And yet I was talking to an official just this week who told me that one of the biggest problems in the high school is that the students, a lot of the students are, are vaping, using pipes and electric cigarettes to get themselves high. But what shocked me is when the official, the staff person said, Bishop, in Cambridge, this isn't Detroit, this isn't Hotlanta, this isn't Chicago. In Cambridge, one of the major problems is kids bringing weapons to the high school in Cambridge, in our city. We have children in our church 
who are being haunted, who are being tormented with anxiety. I got a text message from a parent who said, Bishop, could you pray for my child? Because my child is so full of anxiety, I not only have to take my child out of the school, but I myself also have to leave my position so that I can help my child get peace again. I'm here to tell you that I've seen what the power of prayer can do when we fast and tell the devil enough. I'll cut a story short. Well, for some reason, I ended up having to leave midnight prayer on Wednesday. I didn't want to, but I, somebody needed a lead, and so I knew I was going to leave. So that morning, the Lord gave me a message for us to pray about. He said, you need to pray for children tonight, midnight Wednesday. You need to pray for children. You need to pray for children. And I was sharing, and I was so tired because I had done a lesson with the district, and I had a long day. I was so tired, the enemy was attacking me. I was fumbling over words. I couldn't pronounce, I was messing up scriptures. I, I literally, I've never done this in, in my life. I stopped in the middle, I said, you have to pray for me, folks, because something is just messing me up so I can't even pronounce the words. They prayed for me, and then I laid out how we need to pray for our children. And then we found out right after I prayed that a teenager was unfortunately falsely accused. The narrative was false. And this teenager was accused of assault with the intent of murder. Good kid. Challenge was that the child had been bullied and a grown-up decided to stop beating up this child. The child took out a knife to defend themselves and stabbed the adult. And the police came and said, we are charging you with assault, with the attempt of murder, and this child is in jail. And the mother comes weeping and screaming because the mother knows that people are who are poor, if God don't get them out, nobody will. And the child is weeping, saying, I just does, doesn't understand the magnitude of what happened. Because all the child thinks is that I was just defending myself. And people were telling the child, run, run. The child's like, no, I was, you saw what happened. I was just defending myself. Now the child in jail, Thursday, Wednesday night, the child's weeping, saying, why can't I go home? 
just want to go to bed. I want my bed. I want my home. Not understanding that that child's life is about to be changed if God doesn't intervene. So at midnight, we were praying to almost 2 o'clock in the morning. And then on Thursday, God stepped in. God stepped in to the point that one of the court officers walked up to the DA and said, you need to let this child go. And by 3 o'clock Thursday, nine hours, no, 15 hours after we prayed, that child was free, and Friday morning, the child was back in school where the child belonged as opposed to jail. Don't tell me what God won't do if we get serious about prayer. We need, we, need, we need people for our Sunday school. We need, we need people who will, who will teach Sunday school and take care of our kids. And if you can't do that, at least you know, be in a group that can go through the Sunday school classes and pray so that when people come, it, when the kids come into the class, the anointing is there. And, and I said at the early service, there's so much prayer in our, in, in our church, so much prayer. As a matter of fact, I, I discovered, uh, Elder Nita, that, that we've owned PT South now. This year will be 77 years. And at 77 Columbia Street, there's been prayer baked into the pews, baked into the walls baked into the windows. So you may say to yourself, well, you know, what if the kids don't feel like coming to church? Or what if they sleep? I got good news for you. The anointing works whether they want to be there or not. Come on, folks, let me end with this. How many of you have ever been in a room, uh, been in a kitchen where somebody was frying food? And there were spices. Are you with me? And, and, and I remember my mom was frying chicken. And, and she was frying it. And I was just in there just watching with my Sunday clothes on. And when I left, the scent was lingering. Are you with me? Scent was lingering. What, what, what's going on? Because I was in the room. Let me tell you something. Bring your child in the house of God. Whether they're sleeping, whether they have an attitude, the anointing of God will get a hold of your child. And sooner or later, when the altar call makes, your child's got, huh, what, what's going on? I want Jesus. I don't know what's happening to me. I know what's happening. People prayed, and the power of the Holy Spirit got a hold of your child. We take our children everywhere else. Take them into the house of the Lord. Give them a habit of being in God's house. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church. And so we're going to start praying for our children. After this consecration is over, this church is going to have two days of fasting, Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday is for our church, and Thursday is for children. I'm tired of hearing stories about anxiety and drugs. Yes, drugs. And all the stuff that are going on 
with our kids in the church. But in talking to that staff member, something rose up to me, and the Lord's saying, the children in this building, in this, in this ministry called Pentecostal Tabernacle, those aren't your only kids, PT. The kids out there, the Amigo School, Cambridge Rins and Latin, the Fitzgerald School, the Peabody School, Fletcher Maynard School, Martin Luther King Jr. School, all of these kids, if we would do what God wants, will belong to the Lord. But are we ready to turn down our plates and get serious about this? I spoke this message this morning, and a person came to me and said, Bishop, Bishop, I'm willing to start a biblical justice prayer on behalf of our children on Thursday afternoons. He said, we can turn down breakfast. We can, turn, we can skip lunch if we're serious about our children. I said, my goodness, you are an answer to prayer. And so the question, PT, what are we going to do? Are we going to leave this consecration saying I'm blessed while our kids are going through hell? We have a list that we go through from time to time in midnight prayer. A list of about 400 children. Children of parents who used to go to PT, and they don't, go, they don't come anymore, but we haven't taken their children off the list. So we have children from age zero or months all the way up to 22 that we keep praying for them. And what was beautiful is that Friday night we prayed over the list, and I took a picture of the list some of you remember Brother TJ and Jody Rose. I took a picture of the list with their children on it because they moved to New York. And I texted them and I said, we're still praying for your children. And then I got a Jehovah Sneaky because they were at church this morning. <laughs> Folks, let's stand to our feet. I know this message might have been a little bit choppy. But I'm determined that if we do this, then the 21 rewards of fasting is going to be so explosive. Many of you are standing here because somebody invested in your life. But just as important, somebody was praying for you and believing God for you.
so that you're here because of the prayers of somebody. God has blessed me to walk into different places and spaces to pray because no one else may be praying for them. I want you to take a moment right now. Is everybody still with me? I want you to take a moment right now and just with the person next to you, if you don't know them, introduce yourself. And I want you to pray for children and young people. Just two minutes. Just remember when you were a child and what you went through. Or maybe there's a parent that you know their child's going through something. Or maybe there's a colleague who you know their sibling is going through something. But I want you right now, just for two minutes, if you can just pray right now. Pray right now. This, this pandemic is wreaking havoc. If you, can, if you can lift up your voice. You don't have to yell, but let, let's hear prayers ascending. That Lord, Pentecostal Tabernacle is going to take up the challenge. There is evil and there's wickedness in the world that's trying to destroy our children. There is a Manasseh spirit that's trying to make children not even consider God. They say now that 20% of people now, when it comes to religion, they're checking off the word none. We don't just have to stand here and take it. Six-year-old coming to school and shooting their teacher, not knowing what they're doing. We don't have to sit there and say, tis, tis, tis. Hmm, what a shame. God is saying, what are you going to do to stop the valley of Beninan taking place? Kids consumed by fire. Kids' lives being destroyed. What are you going to do about your temple to say, I'm going to make my house, this temple, the house of prayer. And not a, I'm not allowing the detestable things of the devil to come into this temple. I'm not going to allow. What are you going to do on behalf of our children? Yes, Bishop Brian, you have a lot of adults here. But Bishop Brian, what are you going to do about the children? about the children. Yes, Bishop, you gave gift cards to the teachers and say we're supporting you, but what are you going to do about the children? With all the medicine, with all the doctors, with all the psychologists and the psychiatrists, and, and, and we're not downplaying that. God, praise God for the, for the, doc the doctors and the, and, the and, and, and the counselors and the therapists. But there's an element that has been missing, and that is the power of prayer, the power of intercession, the power of fasting, where he says, if you will fast, 
You will break the bands of wickedness. You will undo heavy burdens. You will let the oppressed go free and you will break the yoke. There are some things that therapy can't do, that medicine can't do, that only God can do. Sometimes God is saying, I need you to lay hands on these children and release the peace of God and watch me go to work. If you would pray, watch me go to work. If you believe, the question is, do you believe? Can I get you to believe? The Bible says the blood of Jesus can set our minds free from dead works so that we can serve God. Oh boy, you sound good, PT. Sound good, I'm hearing these voices. 30 more seconds, I'm hearing voices. Voices crying unto God. You can do it, God. We will not be Manasseh. We will not forget about your power. Forget about your goodness. Forget about your deliverance. Forget about what you can do when our backs are against the wall and it looks like it's over. You can make a way where there is no way. You can use me, Jesus. You can use me, Jesus. All of us know children. All of us have neighbors or nephews and nieces or godparents, sons, goddaughters. Oh, Spirit of God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Oh, wow, you sound good, folks. This is a praying church. You sound good. Think of your suicidal nephew or niece. Think of your, your sibling who's bound by drugs and alcohol, trying to deal with the anxiety, trying to deal with the pressure, trying to deal with the bullying, bullying trying to deal with that stuff. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, Jesus. It's all of our responsibilities. It's not the youth ministry. Is not the Sunday school teachers. We all are responsible. There's something we can all do.
if you're here and you just felt that the Lord is moving you to do more than what you do. I'm not saying, I'm not describing what more is. Maybe it's more, simply more praying. Maybe it's more just encouraging a child with a little sweet. Maybe it's instead of walking to one of my best friends, I go to a teenager, and I know college students aren't children, but I'm at the age now that the, that 22-year-old college students are old enough to be my grandchildren, so you know, I, I get it, I get it. But even the college students need some love. Amen, Amen college students. Yeah. Now maybe, maybe God is saying, slip that college student a 10, 20, 30 dollar bill. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I, I was waiting for, I'm waiting for a response here. But whatever you can do, you can do more. Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe it's, I'm praying for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, I see you. Maybe it's a text during the week. Maybe it's an email. We're on PTCV. Maybe it's whatever you can do. But if you're saying, God, I'm not leaving this fast. And this isn't about guilt tripping you. This is about if you're sensing God is saying to you, he wants more. And I know some of you are doing amazing stuff behind the scenes that people don't even know. I just found out, I just found this out last week that Mother Cummings, from the time a college student came to PT up to, I think last year when she got a little too old to do it, I was told not to do it anymore because she's 91. She was cooking Sunday dinner for that college student for, I'll just say, a lot of years. It's not, you don't have to do something big. But I feel like God is saying, let's do something more. I went to the bank two weeks ago, and I said, um, I need 50 $2 bills. And it was an unusual request, so the woman's like, well, why did you need 50? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I come to church with $2 bills, and I give them to kids. And, you know, I got the requisite. Oh. I'll say, thank you very much. No, no. But my point is, is that for me, I want your child to love church. And whatever I can do to help facilitate that, because being a parent is hard enough. So you need aunties and uncles. Lady Carmen uh, was given a gift to a child who calls us, uh, well, they call her grandma. And then all of a sudden the child said, wait a minute. 
if Lady Common is my grandma, I guess that means Bishop is my grandpa. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so Lady Common, she's wrapping this gift, and, she, and just as she's about to put grandma and grandpa, she says, do you think it's all right if I call you grandpa for her? I mean, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> but my point is, is that whatever you're called to be to people in the church, let's, do, let's, let's come up high if the Lord is telling us to. If, if, if you feel God saying that to you, could you just come to this spot that we call the altar as a sign saying, God, I'm going to do more on behalf of children in this church or maybe children in your neighborhood. You feel the wound of God. If there's only two people, that's fine. This is about you and God. This isn't about trying to get an offer for people. This is about you and God. That God is wooing you. He's, he's pulling you. And those of you who are in your seats, just point your hand in this direction. And let's just pray for these individuals. And for those of you, the Lord is still calling you. That's fine. But I tell you, this is a season. I'm looking for the days when we can lay hands on children and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. I was talking to my friend, um, Pastor Tom Keesling at IFC, and he's doing a school of prayer found out that parents mm, parents were bringing their children to prayer meeting and their children were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. <sighs> you don't think that was church to see children speaking in tongues filled with the Holy Ghost? Why not us? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for each and every individual who you are stirring and you are moving. You are calling, you are wooing. You, you, are, you are giving the challenge to individuals that I, I want more of you. I need more of you. Whether it's a child in this church or a child within your sphere of influence or a teenager or a college student, somebody who I've, who I've drawn into your sphere of influence, who I've drawn into your proximity. Somebody who may not even be the same race as you or the same ethnicity, but I've drawn them into your life for such a time as this. I pray, Holy Spirit, that our church will rise to the occasion. I pray for these individuals who have big hearts and want to do more. I pray, Father, that you will bring resources into their hands. Resources. Maybe they want to do a whole lot, but they don't have the, the talent around them, or they don't have the extra time, or they don't have the treasure, the money to do what you, what's in their heart to do. I pray that you bring resources into their hands, into their, into their uh, sphere of influence so that they can do all that you put in their heart to do. Mm. I pray that we'll hear testimonies, not only those who are at this altar, but those who are in the pew who, who, who are doing so much that, 
that we'll hear more about how lives are being changed because we're giving more of ourselves. I pray, Father, that when the prayer line for children is, is, is developed, I pray that when morning prayer is, is, is giving itself to praying for children and midnight prayer on, on Thursday midnight giving themselves, giving ourselves to praying for children, uh, and I pray that more people will say, you know what, I'm going to turn down lunch and I'm going to get on the Zoom call for that half an hour to pray. I, well, you know, it's midnight, I can't get to sleep anyways, let me pray. You know what, before this day starts, let me get on the Zoom call and pray for children. And Lord, I pray that all these individuals, whether they're the alto, altar or in the pews, I pray that we will start seeing a turnaround, a change, a shift, not only for the children in this church and ministry, but other ministries and in this city, Lord. You've called us to the city of Cambridge. Let us hear the move of God in the classrooms. Let us hear things, you know, you know, vaping going down and all those things that are destroying kids' life. Let us hear it, yes, in the People's Republic of Cambridge. Let them hear that a revival is breaking place in our city. So we thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you here, could you just stick out your hands, everybody? Thank you for your patience. I want to just give this final prayer. Thank you so much for your patience. Can we just give God praise for what he is doing? <laughs> yes, Holy Spirit. For those of you first time guests, you to pull out your hands and you say, well, I put out my hands because I want to bless you and blessings are to be received. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord, whether you're in this room or online, may the Lord make his face to shine, grin, and beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, and pleasant to you. May the Lord show his favor to you that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, composure, his prosperity and success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord of divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you, especially to minister like you've never ministered before from this moment on. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive their blessing. Amen. God bless you. If you need any prayer, some of the elders will be up here to pray for you. God bless you. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. 
We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.